The Old Testament lesson for sexagesima is from Isaiah chapter 55. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from Hebrews chapter 4. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter. Glory be to thee, O When a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I want to start by describing for you three tragedies. The first one's kind of silly, so bear with me. If you're anything like me, then when Menards says that they'll give you 11% back on everything that they sell to you, you think that's a really good deal. 
So you go to the store and you get the rebate slip and you fill it out and think, wonderful. Next time I'm going to Menards, I'm going to have some extra cash in my pocket. Things start ending up being free after a while, don't they? Eventually it's free. What a tragedy it would be. Imagine this. What a tragedy it would be if you filled out every last rebate form for every purchase that you made and there on your refrigerator sits all, every last one of those rebates and you never take them to the store. You never actually take them with you, you never spend them, but you feel to yourself, I got a great deal because I filled out the rebate form and there, sitting on my refrigerator, is some cash that I could spend at Menards. But it never gets spent. What a tragedy. What a tragedy that would be. Or imagine that you're uh, a young person and you have your eye on somebody. You're a little bit infatuated. You want to talk to that person, you want to spend time with that person, you want to get to know them, you want to grow with them, but you're afraid. You're a little hesitant. You're nervous about talking to that person, and so you never actually do it. You think about what that conversation might be like. You might stalk them on Facebook. You might look at them from afar, and you have conversations in your head, in your own imagination, but you never actually talk to that person. You've seen that movie. That's like every classic teen drama movie where the young person never talks to the person that they're interested in until at the last moment they muster up the courage and then they live happily ever after. Imagine, imagine that there was no happily ever after. Imagine that it just all took place inside your head, that it was just an imagination. Imagine what a tragedy that would be because you formed a relationship inside your mind and it's not real, it's not with that other person, it's just inside your heart. Maybe you talk to them once, maybe you've got some word from them, something, but that's not a relationship, that's not real, it's just a figment. Or imagine something perhaps even more gut-wrenching. A wanderer in the desert, parched, dying of thirst, sitting on the ground at the edge of an oasis, facing the wrong direction. Behind you, there's a pool of clean, clear water, you're so close, you're right there, but you're looking the wrong way. And your friends who are all hollering out to you, hey, turn around, come on, drink, be filled with this water, satisfy your thirst, you just won't have it. Because in your mind, the dream, the dream is ahead of you, the dream is somewhere else, the dream is your hallucination, the mirage out in the desert. And so you never turn around and you don't drink. What a tragedy that would be. Come, everyone who thirsts. That's what God says to the people of Israel in Isaiah, the beginning of chapter 55. You heard from later in chapter 55 this morning, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. That is the invitation. That's the promise of the gospel. You don't have to bring anything. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to do anything except for to need the gift. For forgiveness to go to work on you, all you must be is a sinner, which every last one of us qualifies for. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come and receive from God peace, eternal peace, peace that passes understanding, peace between you and your Creator. Come and receive a new heart, a new life, freedom from the slavery to sin, Deliverance from the futility of a life lived for yourself. Spinning your wheels, wasting your time, accomplishing nothing, gaining nothing, ending up in the grave. Come be free. Be delivered from that. Receive a purpose. Receive a hope. Receive a future. You can't imagine 
You can't imagine how freely available this offer is. Sometimes people think that there's kind of a difference between the Old and the New Testament in this way, that in the Old Testament, God was kind of stingy and angry. And in the New Testament, he's generous and loving and kind. It's not true. From beginning to end, God's generosity is transparent in the scriptures. You can't imagine how freely available these promises from God are. What he says to the people in Isaiah is, listen, just listen to my voice. Incline your ear. Just turn your ear towards my face. Hear my words and you will have joy. That's what we saw in our gospel lesson, the sower who goes out to sow. Look at how liberally he sows his seed, sowing it in places where it simply cannot grow, on the path where it will get plucked up by the birds, throwing it around without a care or concern because he is generous, wanting to cover all the ground, all the ground everywhere with his seed. That's God's generosity. That's how freely available his gifts are. The command that he gives to his disciples says, go and baptize all nations, all nations, not this one or that one, but every last one. Tell all the world the good news. The promise is absolute. This is what it says in the prophet Joel. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around how freely available God's grace is because nothing is like that in this life. Everything's got limits on it. Everything's got boundaries and borders. There's a cost for everything. There's a catch for everything. Everything has conditions on it, but not so with God's love. You really can't imagine, as freely available as you might think it is, as gracious as you might imagine God to be, he is more so. His love is deeper and wider and broader than you can imagine. Now our lessons today, especially the lesson of the parable of the sower, recounts a tragedy. Not unlike the tragedies that I told you about a moment ago. A tragedy where the word is sown, but it is not received with an honest and true heart in patience bearing fruit. A tragedy. Now you might think that that's a tragedy that happens to people who are outside the church. But today the lesson is for us. For all of us who are here. The t today the lesson includes this warning. Do not be. Do not be like those who hear God's word and let it go to waste. Do not be like those who receive God's word and do not hold it fast. Instead, listen to what the writer to the Hebrews says, strive, strive to enter into that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So listen carefully, again, to what happens in that parable. Some of the seed is sown on the path. And the birds come and eat it up. And Jesus explains to his disciples that that's the devil that comes along and snatches up that word. And this is the key for you to know. The devil, when he comes after you, is not coming to haunt you in the way that you might imagine some horror movie goes. He's not coming merely to tempt you into sin, to get you to commit some misdeed. That's not what he's after finally. What he wants simply, simply, is to take God's word away from you. If he can accomplish that, he doesn't have to do anything else to you. If he can lie to you and convince you that God's words are not true, he's succeeded. If he can get in the way so that God's word do not, does not enter your ears, does not go to your heart, he has succeeded. He doesn't have to turn you into some gross and grievous sinner. He doesn't have to turn you into a murderer. He doesn't have to turn you into anything. He just has to get in the way 
so that God's word does not enter your ears or make its way to your heart. That's what the devil is after. Watch out. The devil prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It's you. It's you he wants. He tries to do it by snatching God's word out of your heart. Do not fall for his lies. Instead, listen to Jesus. Incline your ear to his words. Hear and believe him. Unlike Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, do not believe that God does not love you, that he's withholding any good thing from you. Do not believe that he is not gracious and abundant and merciful. Do not hide from him, but listen to him. Listen to him, but when you have listened, make sure that the the word takes root in your hearts. This is that second type of soil, the rocky soil, which when the seed lands on it, it sprouts up quickly with some fervor, with some joy, because what, what great news is this? This is an amazing thing. God loves me. How marvelous. But the word doesn't take root. It doesn't sink in. It's an emotional high, an experience. What a wonderful thing. What a great idea that is, the Christian faith. What a great idea it would be to be a Christian. But the word doesn't sink in. It's just a feeling, just a sentiment. It's just an idea in your head. Listen to what Jesus says about being a Christian. If they persecuted me, Jesus says, they're going to persecute you. Take up your cross and follow me, he says. Come to me and take my yoke upon you. Follow me. Leave everything behind. Leave behind father and mother and sisters and brothers. Leave behind everything to follow him. That is how the word takes root. Not by receiving it in a surface way, not by just imagining it, just by having it be an idea in your head, but by absorbing it, by taking it to heart, by paying attention, by letting it work its way into your life, by not being quick to forget it, but relishing it. Here's how Luther described it. He says, here's how we should take God's word. We should treat it like a a fragrant herb that you take into your hand and you rub it in your fingers to get the aroma out of it. That's how we should regard God's word. We should let it sink into our hearts, lest when the sun comes, when trials come, when things grow difficult, when it's uncomfortable or painful or we suffer, lest we fall away. That's not what God means for you. He means something far better. He means for you to stand, even in the midst of the heat of the noonday sun. He means for you to stand in the face of every trial and temptation. He will equip you. He will strengthen you. It's what he's here to do today. It's what he does for you every day by his word, which he sows in your hearts. So hear, listen to him, incline your ears and rejoice. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's what Paul says. Let it dwell in you richly. And here's how you do this, not just on your own. But Paul goes on, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's something you can do every day for one another. Encouraging each other, building each other up, applying God's word to one another so that it grows deep roots, so that you will not fall away. Even with deep roots, however, I think this is the most common tragedy in our world. Even with deep roots, there are the cares and pleasures and riches of life, the weeds and the thorns that grow up tall alongside of a Christian, which threaten to choke out that word which is growing in your hearts. This is simply, very simply, a matter of priorities. 
You can see it in your own life. Pay attention. What gets in the way of hearing God's word? What gets in the way? If anything gets in the way, what gets in the way of coming to church on a Sunday morning? What gets in the way of opening your Bibles from day to day? What gets in the way of prayer? What are the things that come first in your life? What are the things that you're willing to set everything aside for, including God's word? What are they? Ask that question and you will see the weeds and the thorns and the thistles. You will be able to identify them. There they are. Open up your phone and see what kind of usage time is on your phone. How many hours a day do you spend looking at your phone? How many hours a day do you watch TV? How many hours a day do you spend with family and friends but not with Jesus? How many hours a day are you busy with the cares and pleasures and riches of life? Look and see. Call them what they are. Call those things what they are. The weeds that threaten to choke out the life that God has given you. Pay attention. Watch out. That's how this warning works. Watch out lest we be like any of those soils where the word comes and it fails to bring forth fruit. Watch out. And here's the key for Christians. Christians know what to do with sin and with a warning from God. Repent. It's always repentance. It's never anything other than repentance. It's not ever merely just trying harder or seeking to do better, but it is turning away from sin turning away from everything that takes the place of God's word in our lives, turning away from it and clinging again to God's mercy, to believing again in his promises. Listen to what Isaiah says in chapter 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's the promise of your baptism. That every day, every day, you get to start anew. Every day, you get to again turn away from sin and unrighteousness. Every day, again, you get to open your ears and hear God's promises for you. So do it. Every day, repent. When you see in your life any one of those things, the devil finding his way in to snatch God's word from your heart. When you see that you have no root, when you feel weak and frail because you've not laid down deep roots or had God's word sink into your heart. When you see the weeds around you, the thorns and thistles around you, repent. Turn away from those things and believe. See how the hard ground has to be turned over by a plow. That's what God's word does for you. See how the rocks have to be picked out of your heart. That's what God's word does for you. See how the thorns and the thistles have to be plucked up. How the barren soil has to be fertilized, spread with manure, so that it becomes stinky. Why? Why does God's word do all of these things to you so that you can bear fruit? See how ready God is to make good soil of you. Don't think that he does it in any other way than by his word. There's no self-help book, no trick or tactic or strategy that you can employ. It's God's word and his word alone. So listen to him. Incline your ears, hear his voice, and believe. Repentance is never complete without this, without believing the gospel, hearing again these precious promises that God's gifts are freely available to you, more freely available than you could imagine. His promises are sure and certain. Listen again to what he says. Hold fast God's word in an honest and good heart and you will, you will bear fruit in patience. There's no doubt about it. What did Isaiah say? You shall be led forth. In praise, in peace, you shall go out in joy. No doubt about it. When God's word holds sway in your hearts, 
when you open your ears and listen, you will be saved. There's no doubt about it. Why do you spend your money? This is what Isaiah asks. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? Why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. God loves you. And so he has scattered his seed far more abundantly, far more marvelously, far more generously than we could have hoped for, far more than we even need, and yet he gives it to us and continues to give it to us. When your flesh says, I don't need that, or I need something else, or I need to spend time doing something else instead, tell it to take a hike. Listen to what Jesus says. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When you find yourself opening the scriptures and you say, I can't, I can't understand it. I can't make sense of this. It's confusing. It's perplexing. Believe God. Believe that his word goes to work on you even when it's difficult for you to understand. In fact, precisely then, when he makes you wrestle with it, when he sends his Holy Spirit into your heart to teach you what is good and true. When you say the Bible is too big, when you look at it and you say, how can I possibly, where, can I, where should I begin? How can I possibly start? How can I comprehend all of that? It's too much, church every Sunday. It's too much to open the Bible every day. It's too much. How could anybody ever do that? How could anybody ever spend their time doing that? Don't be surprised that he asks you to do that. Instead, be surprised that he gives it to you in such abundance. Every day, there it is in front of you. Every Sunday, here it is in this place, in front of you, from beginning to end, thousands of pages full of God's word, which give you life like manna in the wilderness. More than you need. There was more than they could gather more than they could fill their bellies with. It's here for you, more and more and more. God's promises are kept even now. This is what Jesus is saying when he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His promises are being kept even now. However God's word strikes you in this moment, however it comes to your heart, however you feel about it in this moment, know that it is God working on you. It is God leading you towards peace with him, giving you a new heart, giving you freedom from the slavery to sin, giving you a life that is not spinning your wheels, not just turning around and around and around and going nowhere at all, but it is a life with him, a life lived abundantly, a life of perfection in eternity with him. This is what he wants for you. This is the gift that he gives to the world. So hear and believe. Listen to him. Incline your hearts. Start again Repent and believe that your God is gracious and merciful to you. To him alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.